Welcome to Leading at the Point of Sale. I'm John Ockapenny. I'm an industry veteran in the startup world, venture capital, and I'm the CEO of a company called NatureBox. This podcast is dedicated towards leading people and navigating tough headwinds. Whether you're the commander of a large tanker or skipper of a small startup, the decisions you make will be the difference between sinking and sailing into calmer waters. My job is to be curating interviews and the best of the best from Silicon Valley, providing valuable insights and tactics to help you on your journey. Let's get started. Welcome back to Leading at the Point of Sale podcast. Today, my guest is Kim Seymour, Chief People Officer at WW, formerly Weight Watchers. And Kim is a very experienced HR leader, having worked at both General Electric and American Express. Welcome, Kim. Thank you. How are you today? Oh, I'm great. I am great. I'm about to go on vacation, so I'm fantastic. <laughs> God, uh, getting to vacations, uh, uh, coming, you know, even entertaining a vacation is kind of an interesting time. We're all yes. starting to see whether we should make plans for vacation. Oh, absolutely. And and the role modeling that goes, goes along with that, as I'm trying to tell the rest of my, my executive committee, uh, people need to see that. They need to see that it's possible. They need to see that it's expected. They need to see that we value it, time away yeah. from all of this. Um, so I plan to even be more vocal or, or visual about my vacation than I normally would. We were just having a conversation with my team uh, today, like... Uh, Leadership is super important that they actually model the behavior that they want to actually instill within the company. Uh, you know, last last Friday we had a day off for Appreciation Day, and you know, I had a few emails, and I got I got chastised for sending an email out. Well, as you should have. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, but even that is is interesting. We have Flex Fridays, which we usually have. Uh, summer Fridays. And of course, with everything that happened last last year, people needed that mental space. So we extended it through the rest of the year. And then when this year rolled around, we said, you know what? People still need it. So we're extending it through the rest of 2021. What we did not take into account is the workload has got to allow people to take that time for themselves. The workload, the the um the sense of FOMO that people have, fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. We got to role model for people. No, seriously, you're not going to be any good to yourself, to your family or to us <laughs> if um, you don't figure out how to rejuvenate. And this is one of those ways. Yeah. It's interesting that you, in the past, you've worked at GE with you know, like a Jack Welsh kind of model. Uh, would you, would you have ever expected that kind of, uh, you know, a push from leadership to becoming at that time and era when you were working at GE? Absolutely not. Um, and, <laughs> but let me start by, let me start by saying I owe everything I am today to GE. Um, the, yeah. the mental toughness, the resilience, the, the ability to, to, to craft a message that resonates so, along with so many other functional things, but that toughness that you had to have in order to be successful or to thrive there, um, that that was a that was a then era thing. That was yeah. a, a Jack Welch era thing. And and even though a lot of it comes in handy today, you that's kind of not what you want to lean into during this particular uh, situation that we all find yeah. ourselves in. Uh, you you almost want to 
go the opposite or 180 degrees in the other and dial into some of those other skill sets that that makes great leaders. And let's back up a little bit. So what uh, WW and we, you know, I, I always told you, I'd give you a dollar every time I said Weight Watchers because it's sort of a rebranding of rethinking yeah. uh, the brand just from a weight loss to really a holistic approach. So right a year before the pandemic, when you joined Weight Watchers, you were going through that brand transformation and then the pandemic hit. So tell us how those two things might have helped each other or hurt each other. Like, I'm curious, your approach at WW when you were hitting into the, you know, a year ago, hitting the pandemic in that, that March timeframe. Yeah. So the brand transformation itself probably started three plus years ago when Mindy Grossman came in. Um, and just realize that we, the legacy we have is so fantastic, but it's, it's more than weight loss now in, in the world that we live in. We really need to figure out how to show up in all of these different spaces that, that contribute to weight loss and also mm-hmm. show up in some different ways. And that land led to the brand transformation externally. What she was as intent on is an internal transformation. And knew that that had a lot to do with the people. It had a lot to do with the talent. They had already done so much work on what we call our impact manifesto. Out of, what grew out of that was a, a very clear mission statement. And think about you. You know, you've been involved with a lot of companies, so you know you don't just put some words on a page and put it out there. There's right. a lot of conversation. There's a lot of socialization. There's a lot of strategizing on exactly you know, who do we think we are? What is our why? How do we want to show up? Um, How do we want other people to view us? What can we stay true to as a company? Those are some deep conversations that have to be had, not just with leadership, not just with the board, but even bringing your own employees along with you. So fast forward to a pandemic when it's all about people. It's all about their mental and physical well-being. The, the company had already had a lot of those conversations. We already knew what the most important thing was. Mm. And that was the well-being in all aspects of our employees and the well-being to the extent that we could influence it of our members. Mm. We did not have to do a lot of soul searching about you know, revenue at risk conversations and things of that nature. It was really, how do we keep everyone safe? I like how you use the word show up. Like, you know, it's like, what action are you taking? And I think cultures, we all put mission, vision, vision and values into a piece of paper. They're written words, but they come to life when there's real stories that can be told about those, those things. So I imagine the pandemic was a real opportunity for for WW to show up for both your customers and your employees. 100%. Um, yeah. And you know that now we know uh, that Edelman has said that people trust their employers more than they do the government, more than they do, you know, uh, the clergy, all of this. So the, the awesome responsibility to get it right, um, we, we felt that. We, we were very intentional about how we wanted to provide resources, provide answers to the extent that we could to our employees. And it really started with, 
well, we're people too. What would we want to hear? Mm-hmm. How would we want it, um, to be communicated to? How often? In what way? Um, and again, once we decided on controlling what we could control, it wasn't a, it, the conversations and the decisions that came from that weren't that terribly hard. We were all in this together. We were mm-hmm. all doing it and experiencing it as people first. It's just that we, some of us had an, uh, an additional responsibility to, to make decisions on behalf of an entire organization globally. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it wasn't, um, we did not take that lightly is the best way to put it. I, I imagine like the, the WW franchise is really kind of built around a lot of face-to-face communications with your members, right? So, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in my business, we were, you know, we were providing uh, comfort and healthy snacks in office. And then those, those folks just kind of disappeared. The, that in office stuff wasn't happening. Uh, tell us about sort of how WW reacted to, uh, yeah. you know, that transformation. What were you, what were you, what did you do? I mean, as you said, a lot of our historical business is face to face um coming into a location with with like-minded people for that support and accountability, we could not do that anymore. But we knew that, number one, from a business standpoint, we had to keep providing our product in the best way possible. But we also leaned into almost a, a social responsibility to allow people to still gather, to allow them to still be supported at a time when there was so much uncertainty. So luckily, um, a variety of our technological advances allowed for us to move our business online within six days, which was a a flat out uh, movement by all of us rowing in the same direction. But the foundation for it was our technology team had already done things like uh, paid attention to data security data privacy, uh, had already made it so that we could access um, and get online as employees from home, all of us, every single one of us. Um, We were all able and equipped to do that. So the details of how we equipped employees from a uh, almost a playbook standpoint, but also members is really what that six days was. How do we teach people how to get on? Because believe it or not, not everyone was um, had the facility with Zoom that we had as employees. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you um, conduct uh, a workshop online? What are the topics we're going to talk about? How do you mm-hmm. police the environment? All of that took the six days of, of very little sleep, um, mm-hmm. hundreds of people globally, again, rowing in the, in the same direction. And oddly, as an employee, speaking on behalf of those employees, it gave us a, a purpose in, mm-hmm. in a time when everything else was so uncertain. What mm-hmm. we were certain about is that we had members who were counting on us. So we had to show up for them. So it, yeah. it was, um, Flat out, I remember myself sleeping on the couch with my computer on top of me and then waking up in the same position to start typing immediately. Uh, and I think a lot of people around the world with WW was in, were in the same position and it was 1000% worth it. Yeah. I mean, it, 
these these uh, times of crisis can really either galvanize people or like break you apart. It kind of the the quality of your culture going in to a pandemic kind of can actually it'll it'll it possibly show like what you what you really what's under the hood. The spotlight was really on people who did it well, who did it and did it really really well um, in very very tough circumstances. Did you have any uh, employees that were displaced or they had to shift their jobs? Like if they're used to doing the stuff in person, maybe it's just retraining. Uh, or did you have to kind of deal with sort of these resource allocation of the employees within WW? All of that. All of that. Yeah. Because as great as um, it was to move everything online, the reality was for the brick and mortar we did not have the, you know, the volumes that would justify all of the thousands of people that we had around around the country, around the world, really. So we certainly had to take a, a relook at that in, in light of business realities. But the good news is, you know, some people moved it to other roles. Some people moved, you know, onto other things into completely different functions. So there was a, a lot of that. And I think, what was interesting being in HR at that time was, as you probably know, there were there had to be at least 10 calls a day of, of leaders of HR around the world who were all trying to figure out the same thing. Mm. And, you know, some of the ideas about how you do this and and if this business was was hiring and this one was not how you make that path for people to have visibility in some of these other roles there, it just, it was ongoing. It was mm. never ending, actually, the, the calls and the everyone trying to um, build from scratch what their playbook was going to be. It's almost like a, a you know, shakeup kind of brings us to be more present in terms of what we're doing because we, we have to focus. Um, how did it change? It, did it change any kind of the meeting culture that you had when you were all in the office? What changed for the good or the, or, or not so great? I will tell you, John, I wish I can say all of a sudden there was some great epiphany and that people were like, you know what, um, this was ridiculous how many hours we spend in a meeting and we're just not going to do that. Absolutely not. That's not what happened. If anything, it probably dialed up and we are still, I think um, we're still dealing with that. We're still trying to uh, solve for that because it's just not sustainable. We were already a meetings culture. And when you got into that situation, especially in the beginning, there was so much um, uh, kind of whiteboarding and ideation and innovation and all of that. And everybody wanted to be together. Truthfully, we our sense of community sense of community is, is pretty big at WW anyway. So we were just we were each other's support system. So it was not unusual to get on a Zoom and there'd be a hundred people there. Mm. And now think about that. <laughs> Could there That's a lot of faces. To be any reason for a hundred people to be trying to get together to solve an issue? No. Um, but it was necessary in the beginning. And then I think people not just mentally and, and emotionally wanted to be together. Then there was this element of FOMO, fear of missing out, where they're like, okay, what's going on if I'm not there? Um, yeah. And and not being able to be judicious about where you showed up and when, which leads to the very well documented syndrome of Zoom burnout <laughs> or Zoom mm -hmm. fatigue. Um, yeah. 
of everyone being online constantly. And I remember thinking that I judged my day. Like I would wake up, look at my schedule. No, actually I would, before I went to sleep the night before, I would look at my schedule the next day and how good or bad it was going to be depending on how many Zooms I was in that day. (laughs) And it got to be just untenable. And I think it's that way still for a lot of people. It's maybe it's dialed back a tad from like the heyday, but it's still that. So we've got, I think, around the corporate world, people are trying to figure out how to solve for that. Yeah, we just like uh, my exec team had a meeting yesterday. We're talking about Zoom fatigue and we're uh, looking at an article that was this science Stanford put out um, some a paper on this, just yeah. like the face, you know, having large faces in front of you is like, you know, creates your cortisol levels to go up. So there's a lot of unnatural things that are happening with our communication and our physiology uh, because of that. So we were, we said, you know, we're going to turn off cameras all next week, you know, like, yeah. and uh, we're going to have audio and, and we're going to have fewer, fewer meetings and see what happens. So that, those adjustments we're are trying important. to come up with all kinds of, of, treatments and, and gimmicks and, uh, all of that, you know, GSD days, get stuff done or whatever your favorite S word is, get stuff done days and where yeah. there no group wounds. Um, but the, the problem is everyone has to be bought in for that to work. Everyone has to be. And, you know, I think we have some work to do there. Yeah. So going back to this, uh, showing up, and, and uh, you know, right now we're at a point in time where vaccines are becoming uh, uh, produced. There's, and it, we feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel on this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this last year has been more than just pandemic. It's really, there's uh, a social in- in pandemic that we've had. And um, tell us about like how, uh, you know, you and the leadership team at WW have thought about standing up for, um, you know, dealing with those stressors, right? Because those aren't going, they haven't gone away. They're just, uh, you know, maybe starting up again with the George Floyd, you know, trial. It's just about right to happen. So what are your thoughts on that? It was, you talk about a double whammy, maybe a a quadruple whammy when, when the murder of George Floyd happened in the midst of all of this. But I go back to what I said in the beginning, how important it is to have done the work. And Mm. in this case that the work to figure out who you are as a company and and remembering that a company is af, you know a, after all a collection of human beings mm-hmm. and if you look to your left and your right it matters who those human beings are who you're sh- you're standing shoulder to shoulder with and i happen to have landed in the best collection of of human beings because i having to respond as First, a a black female in America, but second, as the leader of HR for a global organization, um, on behalf of a company, on behalf of a of a an executive team, on behalf of a CEO and a board, it was a lot. And mm. knowing that we stand for you know trying to promote healthy habits for everybody. That everybody is not just a, a word or a couple of words, mm-hmm. depending on how you write that down. In that is inclusion. In that is diversity. So I knew we we already had that in our DNA. So I felt really, really comfortable um, stepping out and saying, making certain pronouncements and 
and being really, really clear about the fact that this is racism. It is an epidemic um, within not just the United States, but in the world. It's not okay. We are not going to be a part of it. We've done a lot, but we have more to do. And here's what we're going to do. And before I even went there, I just started writing to our organization about how I was feeling um, Mm. about all of it and was just so well received. But it also brought home the fact that no one is a monolith. There are so many diversity. When you believe in diversity, you have to believe in all diversity. You can't pick and choose what diversity matters to you. And there are some people who got it and some people who didn't. There are some people who didn't, who were not interested in getting it. And there are some people who didn't get it, who were so interested in being educated and being allies. And, Mm. you know, we're taking full advantage of that because as you said, in the moment, I think every company um, thought they were doing and saying the right things publicly, but now the rubber is meeting the road, right? The the spotlight, even though the, the trial is about to start, yeah. People in humanity and, and human nature was you know, naturally when the spotlight is off, they exhaled a little bit. And the the true test is staying committed, staying intentional yeah. about changing things. And I'm happy that, you know, I have the support and we have the support to keep pushing. Yeah. It's, it's almost like we don't, we, we really, it, that's the test is, is when things are not inflamed, like how do we act? What do we do? You know, yeah. uh, there was a lot of, a, uh, you know, our company, you know, had to have a lot of self-reflection, right? Looking at like who, you know, what's the makeup of our board? What's the makeup of our team? Like what, you know, yeah. and we had a conversation. We didn't really want to go public with anything just until we had that conversation internally. And then we start talking about what we want to do. I mean, the role of inclusive leader, I I heard this on one of the 1000 panels I was on, but the role of an inclusive leader is to look around that table and notice who's not there and then to ask why. And once you ask why, then it's to fix it. So a certain amount of self-awareness, there's an amount of, of just staring it in the face and being clear about your metrics and being clear about what you care about. And and how far you're willing to go to fix it? So true, and uh, and t- it's and showing up and taking action, like, um, and that's that seems to be uh, a critical critical thing. What you know, if uh, Kim, if you're looking uh, forward for this next year, and uh, you're giving advice to a set of peers and HR leaders and executives, now what what would be like the top? you know, one or two things that you would kind of leave them from your experience, both this last year and your career, like you, you think that they, they really need to think about, especially in 2021. Yeah. Um, I, I do think I'm a big fan of the, what I call the contracting conversation with, mm-hmm. uh, with leaders, with CEOs, where it's, let me be really clear about who I am and what I care about. And what I will promise is I will always be true to that. I'll always watch your and the company's back, but I'm going to be fairly you know, forthright about what I think an, an aggressive agenda could be in fill in the blank way. Mm-hmm. I, I recommend to people that I mentor, 
beyond being functionally superior, because you have to be, you, you have to understand your craft. But more than that, as a person, get really, really clear on who you are and what's important to you. And that's not a metaphysical, you, you know, woo-woo conversation I think people need to have. No, truly, especially after this year, sit down and figure out what is the most important thing to you. As in, if that does not exist where you are, does, does it still serve your, your purpose? Once you do that, once you know your own guardrails, then the rest of what you, you do is, is relatively not simple, but, but at least maybe a little bit more clear. And the first thing in that is understanding the most important thing from an organizational standpoint. For us, it is well-being. Now, well-being has a, a lot of, of bullets beyond it. There's physical, mental, um, uh, financial, emotional. There are all of these different tenets of well-being. And then it's using that as the North Star for the solutions that you, that you come with. So I, I am a big fan of getting clear on who you are, getting clear on what your company stands for, and what is the most important thing to you? Now, once you do that, the most important thing to have is courage. Mm. Because, look, this is exhausting work, especially for any HR person in the last year. And you do not want to be expending all of this effort in the wrong direction or in, an, in a direction that's not terribly impactful. And you are, by definition almost, going to encounter um, pushback naysayers, non-believers, or people who just don't see the vision. And it takes courage and resilience and perseverance to just keep going. Yep. Keep going when you know you're working toward, you know, your own North Star or toward yeah. the great good for the enterprise. There's a, you know, we're all on this planet for a short period of time. So I think that's sage advice get really clear on what's important to you and then go after it. Right? Like, like it's like, and, and be resilient and have courage. Right. Um, hey, I Kim so appreciate your, you're having a conversation with me and the audience um, really wanted to thank you for your time. And um, I think that's amazing advice. And I hope all of us kind of take a step back, stop, think about what's important to us. So thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. One final note before we cast off is I want to thank our sponsors, which is NatureBox, dedicated to providing engagement, wellness snacks that can reduce stress in one's body using adaptogenic plant-based ingredients, and services to really help HR departments and executives motivate their teams with these wonderful perks at home. Don't take it from us. Take it from some of our big customers, Google, Facebook, and others. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time.